I am grateful to Mike McDowell for pinch hitting last Sunday and particularly for his willingness to preach the text that I planned on preaching. It's not easy to prepare a message for God's people on short notice and particularly an assigned text. Most of what you heard Pastor Leo read a few moments ago is what Mike preached on last week. <clears throat> My text is the conclusion of that text. Dear friends, verse 11, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Strengthen my voice for this task, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts might be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Years ago, my friend Brian moved from New York to Colorado to go to seminary. Denver was booming at the time. People were moving. It's, it still is booming. But even back then, people were moving from Texas and California and other parts of the country. And the people who had grown up in Colorado were not sure they liked this. In fact, some started sporting a bumper sticker that said, Native. It was kind of a green and white thing, a mountain range with the word Native. They wanted to proclaim to the world that they were not one of these Johnny-come-latelys. They grew up in Colorado. And then after a while, people started putting bumper stickers on their car that said, um, transplant. They wanted people to know that even though they had not been so fortunate as to have been born in Colorado, they had the good sense to move there and they had no intention of moving away. And then, a third bumper sticker appeared with which my friend Brian identified most closely. Alien. <laughs> See, he was from back east, and like a lot of Easterners, he had prejudice against the rest of the country. To him, Denver was a cow town compared to the world-class cities of Boston and New York. Denver didn't even have a Major League Baseball team at the time. Brian thought the pizza was terrible, the bagels were frozen, it snowed in May. <laughs> and he had no intention of putting down roots there. He was going to stay, get his seminary degree, and then blow Cowtown, move back east. He was determined to remain an alien. Peter says... Christians are aliens, strangers and aliens in the world. Now, boys and girls, when you hear me use, you hear Peter use that word alien, don't picture green spacemen with tentacles and bulging eyes. Just means people who are living in a place but don't quite belong there. That we are strangers in this world, our likes and dislikes 
our values, our commitments, our loyalties are different from those of the dominant culture. We're in the world, but not really of the world. And Peter's first readers did not choose that status. They did not move 2,000 years or 2,000 miles like my friend Brian did uh, to live in a new place. But, and, and they didn't go out of their way to, to act peculiar. But their neighbors and relatives and the people that they did business with tended to scorn them and marginalize them. It doesn't appear that they were jailed or martyred for their Christian faith, at least not yet, not on a large scale. Think rather uh, graffiti sprayed on your fence. Think your children bullied at school while the authorities turn a blind eye. Think job promotions going to people less qualified than you. Think of your property confiscated, uh, your rights denied by legal trickery. Think of freedom of speech for everybody except for Christians. Think of um, tolerance for everybody except for Christians. Think of uh, a culture where if you believe in traditional marriage, you can forget about a career in social work. Think about uh, a culture where if you believe in a young earth or direct creation, you can forget about working in the sciences. Think about a culture where if you decline to perform abortions or refer for abortions, your, your options in medicine or pharmacy are going to be limited. Does this start to sound a little familiar? Now, I'm not suggesting that in the 21st century West, we have it as bad as Peter's readers in the first century in Asia Minor. We don't. But whenever and wherever Christ followers take their identity seriously, significant tension with the prevailing culture is likely to follow. In any generation, in any country, the more closely you try to follow Christ, the more likely it is that you will feel like an alien. You didn't choose that identity. It was thrust upon you. But interestingly, Peter says, embrace it. Live like an alien. Dear friends, he says in verse 11, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to withdraw from the world. No. As tempting as the monastic or Amish option might sometimes feel, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to mark your time here, like my friend Brian, just long enough to get his seminary degree, just long enough for God to take you off the scene and into heaven. No, that's not what Peter says. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to organize, register voters, assert yourself, take back the culture, fight back. No, he doesn't say that either, but I should point out that we Christians in the West have some options that Peter's first readers did not have. And because of the times in which we live and the freedoms that we are guaranteed by our Constitution, we 
don't have to just roll over. Uh, we have as much right as anybody else to assert our values, our beliefs. But that's not what Peter is going to say when he tells us to live like aliens. They didn't have that option. He urges us to do two things. Abstain from sinful desires and live good lives among the pagans. That's what it means to embrace your alien identity and live for the glory of God in the circumstances in which you find yourself, Peter says, two imperatives, two main points. He could have said to future preachers, here's your sermon outline, Roman numeral one, personal. Roman number two, public. Roman numeral number one, abstain from sinful desires. Roman numeral number two, live good lives among the pagans. The first is internal. The second is external, outward. First, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. Sinful desires may be sinful in and of themselves. They are inherently wrong, perverted. Desires that are flat out wrong are usually relatively easy to identify. The desire to throttle somebody, the desire to take from someone something that doesn't belong to you, the desire to harm a child. These things are so obvious, I'm not going to spend time on them. Other sinful desires are good desires gone bad. We want something that in and of itself is good, but we want it too much, or at the wrong time, in the wrong way, with the wrong person. And probably the most obvious example is sex. It's a good thing. It's God's idea. But when we desire sex outside of marriage, or in marriage in a demeaning or self-centered way, it becomes a sinful desire or a desire for food is good, but only in, if it doesn't morph into gluttony. A desire to be respected may lead to hypocrisy as we try to project an image that people will admire but is not genuine. A desire for rest and relaxation may be legitimate until it morphs into laziness. A desire for stuff. Ooh, this is a big one for, for us in the affluent West. A desire for our daily bread and normal comfort and shelter can morph into greed or mammon worship or obsession with what the Joneses have. Discontent with anything uh, less than what we are enticed by in advertisements all the time. I double-click on a link and can buy a, a motorized tie rack for $59. I guess to save me all those many hours I spend looking for my ties so that I presumably can spend that time in serving my community instead. I click another link and there's a, 
opportunity to buy a musical shower companion for $199, I guess, so I never have to shower in silence or sing in the shower. I click on a link, and there's a, an opportunity to buy an animal vacuum for $499. Does Peter know, Peter know about this, that people are vacuuming animals? Now, am I saying that anybody who buys one of those is sinning? It's, it's more complicated than that. But a conscientious Christian, an alien, whose values are formed by Scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit, and not formed by the catalog and guided by Madison Avenue, will ask, do I need this? And if I don't need it, but I want it, is this a legitimate want? Is this good stewardship? Can I justify this? We will examine our motives and our desires. And, and notice that Peter does not say here, abstain from sinful behaviors. That's obvious. But here is wise pastoral counsel. Fight the battle at the desire stage at the desire level, before the desire gets acted out, before the desire becomes habitual and makes harder to resist future desires. See, it's not just sinful behavior that wars against your soul. Sinful desires weaken our devotion to Christ, drag us from our duty, waste time and energy, render us useless to the kingdom of God, eventually can destroy us. You may think that you have your desires under control, that you can indulge them or squash them at will. That's what Dr. Jekyll thought. He could decide when to drink the potion that would release Mr. Hyde. But the day came when one concession to evil tipped the balance of his soul, and thereafter Hyde emerged at will. As aliens and strangers in the world abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. The surrounding culture will not help you here. The surrounding culture will feed your desires. I think I've told the story before, a true story, about how years ago an American company had a hard time keeping employees in Panama. Most of their employees had been farmers who were used to living with a barter system. And now they got more cash after a week's work than they had ever seen before. So they tended to quit work after a couple of weeks. They had all the money they needed. You know what the company's solution was? They gave all the employees Sears catalogs. And suddenly people realized how much stuff they needed, or at least wanted. So maybe the best way that we aliens can resist this part of the culture, telling us you need more, you need more, you want more, is to Learn to talk back to the advertisers. 
I have to read it because the guy says it so well. He says, when I watch an infomercial, I'm anything but a passive viewer. I aggressively evaluate all claims. In fact, I'm compelled to carry on a loud conversation with the spokesperson. No way, I laugh. Get out of here when some Ken doll tells me that only 30 seconds a day with the Gut Buster 3000 gave him perfectly sculpted abs and that this new washboard belly has changed his life in every way, I don't buy it for a second. I tell him, what about the fact that as a fitness model you exercise all day for a living? What about the fact that you eat nothing but vitamin supplements and lawn clippings? <laughs> I know chiseled abs won't changed my life. No one would even see him except my wife, who doesn't seem too troubled over this issue. Thankfully, our marriage covenant is tighter than my abs. <laughs> Resist. Abstain. These desires, even the good ones that have the potential of becoming evil desires, wage war against your soul and make you want to conform to the surrounding culture instead of standing out as an alien, a Christ follower. So that, that's the first point, Roman numeral one, number one, how to live like an alien, abstain from sinful desires that war against your soul. That's the internal, inward look. Now Peter gives us an external, outward look. The first was abstain from sinful desires. The second is a matter of public behavior. Verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans. Let me pause right there and say that pagans is not a pejorative term here, as it might be if we were using it. If we said, yeah, my neighbors are a bunch of pagans, that would probably be meant as an insult. Peter is simply identifying the prevailing religion of the surrounding culture. Greek and Roman gods and goddesses were worshipped. And those who worshipped them were pagans. No pejorative intent there. But live such good lives among these non-Christian neighbors that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The pagans had kind of gotten used to Jews. Jews were spread throughout the Roman Empire, and they were kind of considered weird, different, but yeah, they, they kind of got used to them. Okay, we can live with them. But now all of a sudden, there are all these Gentiles who now call themselves Christ followers. They used to be like us, but now they think differently and they behave differently. They don't join us in our civic festivals. They probably think that they're better than we are. And as so often happens, a suspicious culture finds fault with the people who are different. You people are the problem. You're what's wrong with the world. And it's happening again today. You Christians are a bunch of homophobes. You hate women. You're as bad as the Islamic fundamentalists. You're 
intolerant. I read this week that being called a bigot is kryptonite to a lot of evangelical Christians. Somebody calls us a bigot and we go all weak and wobbly as if this destroyed us to, to be called intolerant, to be called a bigot. Well, what, a, what do you do if you're an alien and they accuse you of doing wrong? Do all the good you can to all the people you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can. Or as Peter puts it in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Representing God well by our good works is a recurring theme in this letter. In verse 15, Peter's going to be talking about submission to people in authority, and he says it's God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. That's part of next week's text. Chapter 3, verse 16, talking about giving a reasoned defense of your faith, but says, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Peter's concern here is that the conduct of the aliens will bring glory to God. The day he visits us is probably referring to the judgment day when God's people will be vindicated and all who have persecuted them will have to admit that they were wrong. That God knew best God was right about everything and that God's people, imperfect though they were, were trying to do what God would have them do. Sometimes we are partially vindicated even this side of Judgment Day as the pagans observe our good behavior. Though they accuse you of being out of step with everyone else, they know that you're one they can turn to when they have need. That though they accuse you of hopelessly out-of-date views on marriage, they have to admit that you know how to stay married and have a happy home. And though they complain about your proselytizing at work, they have to admit that you get more done than the average employee in eight hours. That though they wish you wouldn't talk about Jesus so much, they acknowledge that at least they don't listen to vile, coarse language coming out of your mouth. And though they accuse you of caring more about fetuses than, than women, they have to acknowledge that pro-life ministries do far more for women in crisis pregnancies than the pro-aborts do. And though they accuse you of being unpatriotic because you don't say, my country right or wrong, they do have to acknowledge that you are an involved citizen and a conscientious voter. And though they accuse you of being a religious killjoy, they have to admit that you seem to be full of joy. And although they accuse you of being arrogant because you're so confident about what you believe, they have to admit that you are, in fact, more courteous than the village atheist. 
live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God. I think Peter would like this poster which reportedly Mother Teresa had hanging up where she lived and worked. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people will accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do it anyway. Honesty will make you vulnerable. Be honest anyway. People really need help but may attack you if you do help them. Help people anyway. Give the world your best, the best you have and you'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God. A funny thing happened to my friend Brian after three years of living in Denver. He realized that, yeah, it does snow in May, but the sun shines here more than 300 days a year. And yeah, the pizza's lousy, but the Mexican food is great. The city doesn't have a lot to offer, but the mountains are fantastic. He got spoiled skiing on fresh powder instead of the ice glaze back east. He discovered that he could hit a golf ball a mile in that thin air. And the Broncos signed a quarterback named John Elway, and he could go to Mile High Stadium and watch him play. And when Brian's daughter was born there, he and his wife got her a little t-shirt that said native. And when their three years were up and he got a call to a church back east, it was hard to leave Denver. Here's the point. You live long enough in a place and absorb its values become comfortable with its surroundings. You don't feel like an alien anymore. And that doesn't matter if we're talking about a New Yorker moving to Denver. It matters a lot if we're talking about a Christian who's becoming a worldling. So Peter reminds his readers and us that we're strangers and aliens in the world. Live like it. I'm going to pray for you and for me. And my prayer is simple, Lord. Help us by your Spirit to do what does not come naturally to any of us. Help us to live like aliens. For Jesus' sake. And let all his people say, Amen.